Good afternoon and welcome to the Pokevolt Podcast. I'm Bellybolt VGC here with my co-host Titan Nexus. How you guys doing, everybody? Uh, first off, thank you for having me on the Pokevolt Podcast. Uh, first thing we want to do is kind of go over our VGC history and how we met. So, Tyler, if you want to go ahead and take it away. Yeah, so um, it was about a month or two after the game released in November of last year that I joined the Helping Hand Discord group looking for a place to, like, you know, run in tours and just... Uh, they had advertised on Twitter, I think, of, like, running a team league where you, like, partnered up with people and then had battles. So I joined the group, and I joined a team uh, with some people. It was uh, Juicy, Titan Nexus, and Cozy Snail, and Wisteria. Uh, we formed our team Grimers Gracidias, and... Um, it's really wild, actually, because from that, I ended up meeting two people that are, like, great friends now and um, competed at regionals with and, like, helped me build my teams and have bettered, you know, bettered my play in VGC. So it's really cool. Um, my first event was in Knoxville. Um, I recently competed in the Charlotte Regional. Um, started off 3-1 and one very strong until I had a team sheet error that I had to deal with. Um, kind of derailed me for the day. Um, still looking to compete for the rest of the year at NAIC and possibly Milwaukee as well. Um, yeah, Chris, a little bit about you. Yeah, so I actually started playing VGC back in 2011, 2012, and then I, because of the military and my obligations and everything, I had to stop playing. Um, and then I recently picked it back up during my last deployment last year uh, from watching uh, Aaron Cybertron Zang videos, and that's a plus one, and seeing people, like, I had seen like Wolfie still competing uh, to this day and I was just like wow it's still going around and it's even bigger than before and it just got me back into it uh, I went to Knoxville for my first regional back I ended up going five and four uh, same as Charlotte actually uh, Charlotte while I was there I actually found a team sheet error around round six and it cost me around and then uh, yeah, it kind of just derailed me from there. Yeah, that's unfortunate we both dealt with that. I feel like there was a couple people, you know, our friends that we knew or acquaintances that dealt with that that day. Um, it's unfortunate, but it's great that you still, you know, five and four is really good. I ended four and five um, for my second regional ever. That's, you know, it's really cool. Um, you've had some fierce opponents in the past, right, competing at what you said a nationals event? Yeah, so I went back to That's awesome. All right. And uh, speaking of competing, I actually have the Global Challenge coming up. Um, Global Challenge 2, which actually runs, um, what is it, I believe, April 20th from 5 p.m. till Sunday, April 23rd at 4.59. Um, really excited for that. It's closed team sheets, so it's like... <sighs> this is controversial. I have trouble with you know, open or closed team sheets. I, I just transitioned into playing open and I've got like really comfortable now, you know, being able to predict, I'd, not having to predict items and like seeing that and like seeing pathways just from their team sheet that they fall into. Um, I feel like I've got comfortable there. So going back to this global challenge now, which is closed team sheets, gimmicks are like, you know, Chris, we've talked about this a lot. Yeah, it really spoils you 
like playing Copic team sheet because like you don't have to guess any of their Terras, you don't have to guess their item, you don't have to guess like oh, okay that Chiyu is scarfed so it's probably gonna outspeed like my Fluttermane. Like you don't have to guess that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's very true, and I feel like there will be like gimmicky teams that we face. Um, you know, more so than we would in an open team sheet, so it's hard to prepare. I feel like a lot of matches that I'll lose in the Global Challenge, and even on ladder sometimes, are to more gimmicky teams to where, like, I don't know what to expect. Whether it's, like, it may not be a gimmick team, more so, like, the moveset itself is a gimmick and, like, the EV spreads, so it's, like, hard for me to read. Um, but I'm really excited. I've got a cool team that I've been working on. Um, I've got a coach that I'm working with. I think that I've got a good strategy that I'm going to tackle this... Uh, global challenge with and i'm gonna hope for the best <laughs> yeah so i am iffy on if i'll get to play in this global challenge because it runs into my birthday weekend but i am gonna try to play at least a few matches okay from the global challenge one note like one of the weirdest teams that i ran into was a flip turn dondozu weakness policy that really like just decimated me so quickly <laughs> and i felt like such a bad player after it because it was like it, it, it was so obvious like that that's what was going to happen but it didn't cross my mind sometimes that happens though i feel like the global challenge is more so like you kind of look at it as ladder and i feel like you play a little bit more casually and you may not exp like it may like be really like something you would see easily on open team sheet or like you would normally be like oh I know exactly what this does but like then you would tackle it in the global challenge and it's more you know kind of casual you're sitting in your bedroom playing for CP <laughs> you know so it's I feel like it's a bit different than like sitting across from your opponent being very serious you know and I feel like some some players are really good at catching me off guards with their move sets on ladder you know I had I didn't get to play in the last global challenge but I think it's like similar to playing in ladder as to where, like, when you get in the high ladder, there will be players who are just very good at, you know, playing a certain team. They've played it so many times that they can lead it a bit different than you've seen it so many times, you know, and then pivot into something or, like, hit a different move than you're expecting, and that's where they really throw you off, you know? Yeah, and especially with EUIC just ending and everything, like, the ladder is going to be just crazy full of balanced teams, I feel like, right now. <sighs> yeah. Um, one of the biggest highlights from EUIC is they said it was the biggest Pokemon event we've had to date. There was over 3,000 players across all games, um, and they recorded 1,058 uh, 1, players total actually competed uh, across all age divisions. That's insane. Yeah. 3,000. Yeah, 200, that means 256. Uh, the top of the top players uh, earned CP. Wow. I know Aaron Zhang walked away with 100 CP just from going 6-3. That's incredible. I wish we could have an event here in the United States that reaches those numbers, you know, being able to, like, the bracket being wider and there being that many more players. You know, I feel like sometimes at these events, as big as they've been in the United States, like, there's a lot of people who perform at a very high level and don't get that CP. As to where if the if the window was just a little bit wider, I think in Charlotte we missed it by what twenty people. Yeah, we were just shy of like uh, twenty three or twenty four people. You know, reaching uh, eight hundred total. 
Yeah, which I think there's a lot of our, even our friend group, you know, we had Darius, Daytude, um, there was a lot of us that either 5 4 6 3, um, you know, that had chances of getting CP if that, you know, just 20 other people could have made it out or signed up. Um, it, it's kind of wild, you know, sometimes. I really look forward to the day that we can just hit those numbers at every event. I think we're getting there quickly because the numbers have risen so quickly after COVID has dissipated. You know, I, I, I foresee it happening very soon. I mean, we're still only six months into the season, and so I predict with the DLC release in November, I expect next year it's going to be even bigger. And I think that they're going to need to expand on these events, maybe more Swiss rounds, uh, more Swiss rounds or something else to basically elevate the play. Yeah. I'm really excited. I to bring up the usage stats from at least day one, because Fluttermane was at 79% at UIC. And that's just insane. Uh, Amoongus was at 58, and then Arcanine and Palafin were around 38 themselves. That means 300, around 380 players had an Arcanine or a Palafin on their team. That's wild. I, I saw that earlier, and it was kind of... Like, I expected Fluttermane to be where she was at. It's in, Even from, like, Series 2 to Reg regulation c like i kind of expected flutter main but seeing amoongus jump that high was that something that you expected i mean amoongus is just such a good pokemon and he's so good into all the room and pokemon with uh having that pollen buff that hits them so it, it really doesn't surprise me at all like he just works so well and that amoongus arcanine palafin combo yeah it's just so balanced you can pivot between the three of them so easily yeah, it's everywhere, and that's something that, like, you know, I wanted to discuss today was, like, building around the Ruin Mons, but is that something that, like, everyone should, you know, I feel like the Ruin Mons was something that, like, I was having, having trouble tackling as to where, like, now on ladder, I am facing this same archetype every single time, Flutter Main, Amoongus, Arcanine, Palafin. It's incredibly strong, you know, like, it's, it's something that just... And I feel like I'm preparing for that more so than the Ruin Mons, you know, and like how they pair their Ruin Mons with that team is something that I need to understand a little bit better. But like, how are, how are you tackling that? You know, like what are the most common Mons? I have a few pictures here from Twitter of teams uh, like Baked VGC made top 64 at EUIC. Uh, he tweeted out day two debuff is real, but happy to have made it here for the third time. Uh, he, he ran a Chi Yu on you know, that similar core that we've kind of seen, Fluttermane and Moongus, uh, but it's a little switched up here. It's Dragonite, Gyarados, and Goldango with the Chi Yu. I really like that aspect, you know. I, I, I'm seeing teams that have, like, that core, but they're they're playing around with other ideas. Um, yeah, just throwing in, like, one Ruin Mon into there to, like, kind of piece it all together. Yeah, the Palafin, though, is the one that, like... Here's another team... Um, that I found on Twitter. I don't have the name for, from who this is. It's an EUIC team, but Ting Lu, Amoongus, Fluttermane, King Gambit, Arcanine, and Palafin. The Palafin is what like really stops the Chi Yu to me. And seeing Palafin at such a high usage, it makes at least two of the Mons very hard to bring. 
the Ruin Mons. Yeah, it really does. Palafin cancels out Tinglu and Yu pretty well. Uh, King Gambit's good into Chen Pao. Arcanine's good into uh, the fourth one. <laughs> Can't remember his name off the top of my head right now. Wo Chien? Yeah, Wo Chien. Yeah. And that's something I'm surprised the play Pokemon account tweeted out today, like a picture, or maybe it was yesterday, but it was like a picture of an empty chair and it was like the live Wochian reaction. Yeah, he was pretty much non-existent. He wasn't in the top 12. Um, I don't think one made it to day two even. Yeah, and it's like, it's so unfortunate, you know, like it's, it's kind of sad, but also like I, I made a prediction. We had We've, you know, we've been working on recording this here, and I had, before EUIC, we had done some, like, mock runs, and I had talked about, like, this whole prediction of, uh, you know, Wo Qian actually being, like, a, a used higher in this tournament, and I'm so glad that that's not going to be put out now, and I, I'm, I'll say it here, you know, but it's pretty funny just because, like, it, it went down so much, no one really used it, and it's kind of wild to me because of the matchups, like, if you look at these teams, like, yeah, King Gamba has a good matchup in, like, Arcanine, but, like, theoretically the rest of them i i guess amungus too amungus has the pollen puff so it is really hard to bring against the this core of team yeah it really is i would like to say i was right on all of my predictions except one i thought don Doza would be dead at this point um yeah you were he's apparently so versatile that there's no stopping don Doza from reaching at least one top or like one day two team <laughs> um but I was completely right when I said that Fluttermane's usage was going to be through the roof and that Amungus, Arcanine, Paladin was going to be dominant. Yeah, yeah, you were, I mean, you were spot on. It was something I was watching back yesterday and today and all the battles. And I was telling myself, I was like, man, I'm so glad I work with Titan. Like, honestly, some of your predictions and, like, the things that, you you know, like, who you've told me to bring to tournaments in the past, you know, I always had faith, but, like, just watching your predictions into EUIC, I was like, man, he even hit spot on, like, you know, like, all the mons that were, like, super, you know, prominent and who were used, he was he was right, you know? And then it's just wild to see so many more of the balanced teams come out instead of the, like, high... I, I expected some gimmicky hyper-offense. This was our second event, you know? I thought it might develop a little bit past what we saw at Fort Wayne, but I feel like it was kind of, like... Just a safer Fort Wayne. You know, people developed a safer play style than what was in Fort Wayne. So I think now, this is where the meta is going to, like, really explode. Because now you have all these balanced teams, and there's not really anything out there that put, someone's put out there that's like, hey, this is how you beat that. So you're going to see a lot for the next maybe week or two, especially probably during this Global Challenge too people coming up with teams to count to try to counter that balance that like hyper balance that those three uh, have set and so that's going to be really interesting myself personally i've made a double howl team with screamtail and arcanine both running howl uh, and then a choice banded corbinite so that i can just really just try to hyper offense through the balance okay okay see that's something you kind of just touched on like two points that i want to talk about here the how that the how is something that to me is so strong people don't like i've heard a couple like of my friends and like 
guys that I run best of threes with a lot say that how isn't that valuable. You know, they're like, uh, it's you know, you got to set up, and then some they can do damage to one of your mons, and it's they're just like you know they're kind of underplaying how, but like the more that I'm seeing it used appropriately and like in the right situation, it can really set off a boost to mons like Palafin who are already really strong. You know, it's and I think we talked about this earlier. You made a good a good statement. You know, you're what did you say? You can know your calcs, but you don't know your calcs with a how ran. You know, a how boost. And then the chance that you might get two off, you know, like if you make a good read and you know they're going to protect or they're going to try to pivot out, you make another good read and you get a second howl off, Amana's hitting way different than the calcs that they're used to, you know. So you may come in and get an, an Oko or a two Oko that they're not expecting you to get. Um, so it's I think that's underplayed a lot. And then back to the, like point two, you, you kind of like openly shared a, a strat with us that you're working on now for, you know, the current meta as to where like today... And yesterday, I've reached, like, a bit of, like, hostility in even my own Discord group against people who I normally play. And I feel like Reg C and EUIC is really set in this, like, competitive edge in everyone where, like, you know, I won't say names, but I know four people in my group today that, like, openly said they're not going to share team information beyond this point until EUIC. Because they're really working on these ideas and, like, honing in on that team that they're cooking right now. And it's something that, like, I'm I'm kind of used to open openly sharing my stuff. You know, I'm not it's open team sheet these days. And I do get the whole like if you prepare for it more and you know what my team is, it may be easier for you to be. But you know, it's it's neither here nor there. None of my friends are like these super high level players that I, you know, I'm afraid of running into or whatever. But it it's still kind of wild to see in the scene, you know. So it's that's something I I was wondering to get your take on, you know, like are you still okay openly sharing your information as the meta right now is at like a crucial developing stage? Absolutely. I love causing the chaos. Like, hey, take it, use it yourself. Like my next event's not till NAIC, so Hey, use it in these next tournaments help push that meta further like cause the chaos honestly i'm all for it yeah i love that and it's exactly right like we've seen how though too now on uh i think it made top, it, there was a howl that was in top four at fort wayne uh there was a how and we just saw how in the finals at uic yeah so like it's it's definitely like a, it's really helping towards that meta so yeah i wouldn't be surprised if it'll be at the next event as well in the top cut fluttermane was one that like watching in the last match like there in the championship like watching how fluttermane has been used and even in like juniors i think it was or seniors maybe I saw a Fluttermane used that had a Water Terra like multiple different times within the tournament. I've seen people tweeting about it, um, that they ran it or used it. Um, there were a lot of different weird ones that I saw, you know, like Terras that I wouldn't normally expect on a Fluttermane. I think. Yeah, actually, so I ran it to a normal Terra Fluttermane, actually. And so that one I thought was really interesting because it just, like, it's immune to the Shadow Ball. Yeah, which, which the number one Fluttermane killer, I feel like. It's an answer. Even if the Fairy Terra, I mean, most people shadow ball into it. The, I mean, the Moonblast, to me, isn't... A lot of people are running that bulkier Fluttermane. And, like, you may get that extra Fairy boost, but I feel like the Ghost is a normal... You know, if they're not tearing the Flutter, the Ghost... Even Fire, I feel like Shadow Ball is still a good answer, too. It's very offensive. You get that stab. Um, 
But yeah, just the fear of like, I've, I saw a fire Terra, you know, so I don't Moonblast anymore. I normally hit Shadow Ball. So to hear that normal Terra is scary. The day that I'm out there and I Shadow Ball into a Flutter and it normal Terra's on me, I'm like, what is this? Like, not looking forward to that. Um, but that that's something that I think the Terra's, sorry to cut you off, like, the, but the Terra's, you know, like I feel like they're changing so rapidly that it is kind of hard to keep up with and Mons are like staying relevant because their Terra's are changing rapidly. Yeah, it's funny because, like, you were talking about with the Terras, like, we've seen Fluttermane really go through, like, the full circle. So, like, when Fluttermane first got, like, put into Series 2, I saw a lot of fair. I was seeing a lot of Fairy Terras, and I was seeing, like, then it quickly changed into Defensive Terras, like, you were seeing Water, Fire, Steel Terra, uh, Fluttermanes. And then now for Regulation C, it's, like, back to seeing so many Fairy Terras at the beginning. on again and we're getting to those more defensive fire water normal terras again so it's like it just keeps going in this like giant circle with it's like offense to defense terras <laughs> yeah it's, it's so true all right um before we get a little too off there um like the team building you know like just just so we can touch on this a little bit like what are your approaches at team building for this global challenge you know like how would you approach that I think that's a really good approach. That's kind of how I do it the same. Um, I will say this this week after EUIC is like, especially today and like earlier this morning I did it and later tonight I'll do it. I've got like a notebook where I wrote down like the, the really heavy cores that we're seeing and like, you know, there is a little bit of a resurgence of Dondozo, so you got to kind of build for that. Um, a lot of Palafins and stuff, which like maybe a Mon that I explore a little bit, but like I'm, you know, I've had success with it, but I feel like I've had success with just countering it hardcore. You know, like, I'm used my belly bolt habitually against, you know, palafins that you know, reflect and then just parabolic charge healing myself back up was always a good answer. I never, like, stress against them. But now in this Regulation C, that mon isn't as viable, and I'm, like, you know, building around that. So it's something I'm, like, finding new ways to beat or just run, <laughs> you know. So it's, um, I've got a couple ideas that I've been playing around with, but I'm sitting down more and more so in analyzing like if this core is ran so much you know how do i defeat that core and these mons specifically and then outside of that you know i have the four ruins and i know mons that i 
like personally playing into them so i really kind of do have those four like i've got the two that run into the ruin mons well that i like using and then i've got two that run into the um you know that faap core you know that hard you know I've got those two. So that's my core four that I think I will balance around, kind of the same that you do, and then get used to them. Um, it's, the EV spreads, too, are, it's different than Reg C. I think things, because of the Ruin Mons coming in and, you know, their abilities being so, you know, broken in a sense of, like, lowering a base stat, I do think that you kind of have to, like, compensate for that in your team and who your matchups against will be with your EVs. That's something that I've been realizing that sometimes my mons that I was really comfortable with in sets from series two that I tried to make work in reg C aren't really like converting really well because of the EV spreads. Um, yeah, a lot of those uh, hyper offense spreads just aren't, aren't it right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we were talking about team building and I think the essential thing that players really should know is you don't have to have a rune mod. Less than 30%, I think it was 32% was the highest at EUIC uh, had a rune mod, but you don't have to have a rune mod to like be successful in Reg C because your the rune mods on your opponent's side of the field affect their other Pokemon as well. So you can actually technically use their rune mod against them. Yeah, that's very true. That, and I've kind of noticed that, you know, it's the abilities are like kind of like a it's a good and bad thing, you know, when you lower the stats of your own Pokemon on your side of the field. Is it something you really want to be bringing, you know, if it, unless it's got really good coverage? I think Team Lu is a very valuable one right now. Um, I've seen a lot of funny talk about Chen Pao just being mid and, you know, kind of like roaring mid when he came around. He's very strong when you use him, right? He's good in combo with other Pokemon, I feel like. Like, if you have a Paladin, Arcanine, or Dragonite with him, uh, he can be pretty devastating. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. One, uh, one hit KO. Uh, Wochan is just Amoongus, uh, one point minus zero. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not as good. <laughs> I'm just being funny, but it's, you know, it's not as good. It's just the... Amoongus is better, you know, it gets regenerator, and I think that that ability has so much more value than lowering the, lowering the defense of anyone that, you know, you just switch out, which a lot of Pokemon in that core that we've been seeing really rely off of really good pivots, you know, Arcanine, Intimidating, you know, switching in and out and getting those Intimidates on Mond, Regenerator Amoongus, getting health every time he switches in and out, um, Palafin, you know, the ability to switch in and out and get that hero form, it just, that team itself all synergizes together. Like, hey, let's switch out, take a hit, switch back out, get an Intimidate off, switch back out into hero form, you know, switch back out into more health Amoongus. It's, you know, it sounds like a lot of switching and stuff in theory, but like, you run into a guy who likes sitting still, and no, it works, you know, you're adding that strength to, you know, it's a step, you're adding strength into that Palafin with the pivot. You're adding health back or taking less damage with the pivot. You know, you're switching into Arcanine, lowering damage, and then potentially, you know, doing even more damage with an Arcanine against an Amoongus, or, you know, whatever your, your pivot in against is. So it's it's something that, I, you know, team building right now is definitely, I'm having a lot of fun with. I'm really excited for it after EUIC, you know, it's, the game has changed a lot. There's, the meta has turned into something I think I like a lot more than what I've been seeing on ladder, and then just in 
what my group of friends have been running in best of threes is kind of just been this toxic oko like i'm tired of getting hit with fissures you know like let's be real like i'm i'm past it <laughs> you I know i'm so tired of fissure i yeah. lost i've lost to some people like i used to be on like a daily basis like buttery like just because he hit a fissure on one of my mods and it just disrupted me completely yeah and it's something you know that it just feels bad to have something there that's just like a gamble card you know like hey i i don't have to put much thought in i just have to get lucky and hit this move you know and it really takes away a threat immediately no matter i mean there's counterplay with like flying tears but like you know don't turn the meta into that i'm glad we saw it die and these you know pala balance teams came out and it's you know the the meta is seeing a shift and i'm i'm personally i'm glad because i i cannot stand that and i still see it on ladder you know i i'm struggling on ladder this time very very low on ladder right now on cart and it's something that just uh it's just this weird off the wall stuff not to expect and then getting hit with fissures you know i can't there's nothing i can do when a mom that i that normally carries me most of the game is gone first turn from a fissure or third turn from a fissure because they click it three turns in a row um you know it's it's just something that's been incredibly annoying to deal with kind of glad to see it i am super glad that stall kind of is dead as well <laughs> even in days now and i'm so happy like it seems like it's kind of is it dead or is it not optimized because i'll be honest with you i'm optimizing that team right now for this power balance team so let's i feel like it's <laughs> a balance team it's it's really not like the balance team kind of counters it really well it does unfortunately so, it does unfortunately I feel it does. Like that's why we didn't see like we saw at uh sydney regionals uh stall teams were in the top eight but it was nowhere near the top cut listen i think if people get out of their head that Wo chiens is their answer for stall and they go back to amungus for stall I think they may have a little bit more luck. I mean, look at what we saw today. Amoongus obviously is the better choice. It, There's no questions asked. Run Amoongus on a stall team next to something even more annoying, you know? I think there, there's an answer out there. All you stall fanatics, big stall, let's find it. Let's annoy Chris again. <laughs> there's certain things that really make my blood pressure go up, and stall is definitely one of them <laughs> i listen i can see right now through your camera even that your blood pressure is going up because my fue coco sits right under you directly and your face almost matches my fue coco now just talking about stall <laughs> it irritates me to no end like i am severely worried that because i've had some cocky opponents in the past like i i am so worried that I'm gonna have like a cocky stall opponent at NAIC and they're gonna beat me and I'm just gonna lose lose it. <laughs> You're gonna turn on those like Joe Rogan ass like <laughs> Like choke them out right there on the table like how dare you. Did our jujitsu I do not consider stall legitimate strategy. <laughs> he he said stall will get you stabbed. <laughs> <laughs> no like, no i just put ketchup on sushi how are you even friends with me <laughs> no, i'm just kidding <laughs> and i can't wait for an episode where we have sam on to talk about stall <laughs> no. no that's funny that's funny uh 
Yeah, so, um, let's see here. If you wanted to talk about Twitter, I know. Yeah, yeah, let's, uh, I actually had some stuff that I wanted to talk about I saw today. Uh, some big stuff that happened in the community, and not only that, just some, like, notable tweets. Um, Judy Azzarelli actually made a tweet out, and he said something that was necessarily isn't talked about that much, but death is crazy, is how consistent Don Dozo has been. Its conversion rate has always been insane, and it always finds a way to occupy multiple spots in top eight. Um, I have a coaching session next week with Chupa, and I know that he worked with a student, and if I'm not wrong about this, he that student ran a Dondozo team in top eight cut with that team. Um, there was, yeah, there's more teams out there even than in that top eight if you look at the top 64. Um, it's something that I don't think the team list has been posted yet for like the top 100 teams or whatever, or top 200 that they'll do for this. Um, but if you go to Twitter and you look through, I've, I've just been scrolling through some of the teams that were posted when I, you know, I searched in uh, top teams for EUIC and was able to find a f- several, at least eight teams that had Dondos on them. And a lot of them were from the top 64. I can't say how many, but there was quite a few that were from the top 64. So it is kind of interesting to see that big of a resurgence, you know, of Don Dozo. And Chris, you know, you talked about earlier that was the one thing you were off on on your prediction. I don't think a lot of us saw it, actually. You know, like the stall, You we just kind of talked about stall being out. But yeah, Don Dozo was doing so well. I just think it was a different style Don Dozo. Um, there were more hyper-offensive Don Dozos this time around. And that was something that I don't think people were prepared for. You know, they were prepared for that more usual stall dozo. And when you get hit with a hyper-offensive dozo that has a Terra that, you know, hits you even harder, it's something that you don't calc for. And I think it just caught people a little bit off guard. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was going to die. Like, I thought the, the Ruin Mons and the Hyper Balance would be the death of Don Dozo. And I was completely wrong. He's uh, still around in full force and still shocking me with how, how resilient that combination really is. And after looking at some of the uh, the teams and the matchups and everything, I, I can kind of understand why, because Iron Bundle's usage went down dramatically, and he was a pretty big one into uh, Don Dozo. The other thing is, a lot of people aren't running Clear Smog on Amoongus anymore, like they were back in... Uh, like Knoxville. That's very true. Gastrodon. I don't even think I saw a Gastrodon team at all. Yeah, those are, that's, I mean, very good points. Um, very good. I think that Poison stalled on Dozo. It, you know, it's, I, I'm surprised that it wasn't more prevalent. I do think that it was like a really annoying um, combo. Just like being able to set up poison spikes freely, do damage, and have a Pokemon that can come back out and just be so tanky, you know, and abuse that. And if someone uses it correctly, pivoting that Glamour around like that is very useful because you can pivot into something that may not take the damage as bad, you know, an Earthquake. Tazagiri doesn't take an Earthquake that bad, you know? You, You can live it a little bit and then switch into the Dondozo next turn, and you may be able to get, you know, avoid your Glamour even dying from that first turn damage or whatever you know earthquake or this or that and switch in so i've seen very high level play with it i'm just surprised that it didn't wasn't more prevalent in this tournament i think the reason why we're not seeing a lot of the poison stalled on Doza or gomora really as much is because of amoongus going up 
end usage to like that 58 percentile because he's just gonna if they keep Amoongus in the back they could just switch it in to take uh, the suck of all the spikes and then it's just like oh what do you got now that's so true it's, that and then Ting Lu's percentage was also like in the 30 per, was like at 31 percent too so it's like that's two Pokemon that kind of counter Glamora to a good degree that yeah. are like higher in that are like in the top 12 yeah so that's very true yeah it's like it's invalidated literally by the Amoongus alone I didn't even think about that I saw it slowly happening with the meta and that makes more sense you know now hearing that back that you know kind of makes a lot of sense because they just if they have the Amoongus that they're pivoting in and out with the Palafin and everyone it's you know your toxic spikes are getting removed several times so it's not even it's not worth it yeah so we had a huge accomplishment occur within the Pokemon community Tyler uh, so Wolf Glick actually hit a million followers on YouTube. Um, that's a great accomplishment for anyone in our community. Uh, he's responsible for making me take that huge leap into VGC um, and understanding it to that next level, you know, to be able to compete on the ladder at a high level, to, you know, move into open team sheets and to understand what was happening within the VGC community. Um, it really wouldn't have been possible if it weren't for him, you know. Um, and then I... As I really got into Wolf, you know, that introduced me into all these other players that were such pivotal, you know, roles in my development as a VGC player. Um, you know, Chris, do you have anything that you want to say about that? Yeah, so, like, I played against Wolf back in 2012, and it's crazy that he's still, like, such a high-level competitor and how much the, he's helped grow the community over the years, and I just want to say congratulations to him. Like, that's a huge accomplishment, a million followers on any platform especially for something like pokemon is amazing and i think the only other person i know of that's hit a million followers on like youtube for pokemon related content is like a drive yeah and he doesn't even really do vgc content you know that's more of like a yeah. general pokemon crowd so that's something that like to me for a vgc player to have that many is such a like just a a giant a huge accomplishment you know because to me general in general pokemon is the biggest media franchise in the world you know to have a million followers is something that like doing pokemon content to me is like there, there's an enormous following not that it's not a huge undertaking but for a vgc someone who's reaching out that far and making the community you know that much bigger and widespread is just huge you know huge i know uh a drive dabbled in the vgc community a little bit but i feel like wolf is just more so like his content is very vgc driven and helps you know people understand what goes on in our realm of you know games yeah it's 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 crazy how knowledgeable like him and aaron cybertron thing and them are like yeah ray rizzo too ray is one of those ones yes. i feel like he came up around the same time as wolf and you know cybertron he's a huge influential person for me um i've watched him around the same time as wolf and aaron um it, it's cool to see it spread too you know there's more people that are beginning to like make content and uh, you know in the future i've even heard uh two-time regional champ justin tang may actually look into making a youtube channel um neil vgc great youtuber um moxie. moxie boosted 
wonderful content. Um, there's a lot of guys out there that have been making stuff for years and years, you know, that have helped me grow in Pokemon. So, Wolf, that's huge accomplishment. Thank you for what you've done for me, for the community, everyone. Um, you know, it's awesome. Speaking of accomplishments, I wanted to go ahead and give the listeners a special announcement. Uh, next Sunday, we will have our first special guest on the podcast. It is two-time regional champion, Justin Tang. Beyond excited. Beyond excited. Um, super cool guy. Met him in Knoxville at my first regional. Incredibly humble. Um, it was cool to meet someone there that was at their first regional who was having such a good experience at, you know, winning so many games. And um, I was kind of, like, living through his hype, you know, and then just to meet him again at Charlotte. You know, I'd follow him on Twitter and then meet him again at Charlotte, and I reached out to him, you know, and got one of those awesome Tang Gang shirts. Uh, which you're going to wear next. Is yeah, wear yeah, next? you'll see it. I'm going to rep it right here. Um, but, no, it, you know, it was great. It was, it was really cool. You know, he was a great guy. Um, I didn't – I reached out to him. It was the very end of the day. I think they had, like, one T-shirt left, hooked me up with that – t-shirt um met his whole crew they're really humble people um he was hanging out with neil so i was able to meet neil through him um so really excited to have him on the show and see what he has to say about some stuff you know get an interview with him and get some of his uh wisdom out onto our discord groups and viewers and uh really really look forward to that uh, last thing i just wanted to say for everybody is thank you for listening to our podcast and uh every week we're going to try to have like some type of special guest or somebody on here whether they're big or small within the pokemon community to give them like a platform so they can talk about their experience and yeah yeah uh, if you want to if you're interested in being on the show uh reach out to us at uh club at gmail.com just send us an email, you know, your experience in VGC, name, um, when you're interested in being in on the show. And uh, again, thank you. Like Titan said, thank you for tuning in, supporting the show. Share it with your friends. Um, we'll always have helpful information in the VGC meta. We may even do some recaps on some of these events that are going on down the road. Um, hopefully we can get some more big names in here and interview them on how their tours are going. Um, really look forward to what this turns into in the future. Titan, thanks again for being on the show with me and look forward to next week.